I was a senior in college. I knew that I needed a job after I got out of school. Uh, I really wanted to continue my education. I wanted to be able to go to seminary, but I didn't have the funds for it. And uh, I heard of this church that was up in Akron, Ohio, called The Chapel, uh, that had a residency program. A phenomenal program. They paid you beans, but they gave you a place to live and uh, paid for your seminary. And it was uh, an awesome place to learn ministry. And so I had applied for the position. I had a, a guy that I looked up to at the college I went to, Cedarville University down in Ohio, that uh, had gone to this residency program, had been accepted into it. They took about four, sometimes five people a year. So they'd have anywhere from 12 to 15 uh, kind of going through. It was a three-year program. And I remember uh, just really hoping, because I'm not really good at making plans for the future, and especially when I was a senior in college, I was like, I, I probably need to figure something out, what I'm going to do next year. So uh, God in his grace allowed me to go to this uh, church and be a part of their residency program. And while I was there, uh, I got to interact with the senior pastor. Now the senior pastor's name was Newt Larson, and Newt was like a legend at this time. The church uh, was pretty big when he started there back in the 80s, but by this time, the late 90s, uh, the church had grown under his leadership to about 8,000, 10,000 people. It was a really, really big church. And Newt was just like a dude that was like so legit, all right? Like hung out with people, got to know people. He was older uh, at this time, probably late 50s, I would guess, and uh, played basketball. Like every Thursday, they had a big gym, and 3 o'clock, uh, staff would shut down on Thursdays, and we'd uh, all go play basketball, and a bunch of people from the community would come in and play basketball. Uh, Newt couldn't run the floor the way that he used to. Uh, it didn't matter, though, because every time he touched the ball, that ball was getting shot. Like, that man was not afraid to pull the trigger. But he was just the kind of guy that you wanted to hang out with. And so as a resident, I actually had the privilege of hanging out with him sometimes. He was obviously super busy, so he always uh, would try to invite residents along on things that he was doing. So one particular uh, day, he said, hey, uh, next week, I'm going to be shooting these uh, radio spots. He did these 30-second and 60-second radio spots uh, just about uh, faith, and, and uh, they, they went on all the radio stations in the Akron area. And so Newt was kind of known as like Akron's pastor. Like everybody felt like they knew Newt, like they were his good friend. And Newt had this crazy ability to remember people's names. Like I feel terrible because sometimes I don't remember folks' names that have been a part of our church like for the last two years. And, and Newt could remember people that he met like one time eight months ago who happened to come to his you know, church that he led of 10,000 people, okay? Uh, he was just that kind of a guy. And Newt said to me, he said, hey, um, why don't you come out with me? Come see uh, what, I, what I do with, with these radio spots. Just tag along. We'll go grab some breakfast afterwards and just hang out. I was like, sweet. So went with Newt. Uh, we did the radio thing. Uh, everybody's like, hey, Newt. You know, like all these people who don't even go to his church just think he's the coolest guy. We went out for breakfast together. Uh, we're coming back into the church, and uh, it's still early in the morning, and, and very few people are even at the church at this point. And as we're walking in, Newt and I are just talking, and we're walking to the parking lot, and there's a piece of trash on the ground. Newt just bent down, picked up the piece of trash, put it in his pocket, and kept walking, talking, went inside. Uh, he took it out of his pocket, he threw it in the trash, and just, we just continued to have a conversation. Not once did Newt look at me and say, now did you see what I just did there, young Torin? You know? Like, he wasn't using it as like a teaching opportunity. Uh, Newt was an owner. Newt was an owner of the chapel in Akron. 
Not like literally an owner, but he owned the mission of the church. He owned what was happening there. And so for Newt, even though he's a senior pastor, even though it's a huge church, and, and they had multiple staff that actually were tasked with taking care of the grounds and the property and making sure it was clean, and it was, it was a nice place. But Newt didn't think that picking up a piece of trash was below him. Why? Well, because he was an owner, and that's what owners do. Owners pick up trash, even if the owner didn't put it there. And Newt actually gave me a beautiful picture, lesson that morning, exactly because he didn't even mention it. You see, for Newt, it wasn't like he was doing something to show off or to try to teach me something. It was just part of who he was. And that impacted me years and years down the line. In fact, this is our last value that we're talking about today uh, in our series of seven, right? Manifesto. And today's value is simply owners, not renters. One of the values of TLC is that we want to be owners, not renters. So we're not a place for spiritual spectators. We collectively own our health, growth, and mission and invest whatever we have to see it take shape. Owners, not renters. There's so many people that are part of TLC that have already embodied this value. Uh, I can remember, I think it was three or four weeks in uh, after our launch. This is uh, a little over a year and a half ago. Um, We were meeting at Calvin College at the time. And it was the first rainy Sunday that we'd had as a church. And I can remember uh, Taz, who is on our hospitality team. He's not one of the leaders. He's just one of the members. He got there early. He walked in with an umbrella. He started talking to other hospitality team members that were there. said, hey, does anybody else bring an umbrella this morning? A few people had. He gathered those together. And that morning, Taz and a couple other people on the hospitality team walked out when people drove in and parked their cars When they opened up the door, he had an umbrella hanging over for them and walked them in. Taz was soaking wet by the end of his time on hospitality, but there were a whole bunch of guests and people at TLC that walked in under an umbrella because of what Taz did. That's an owner mentality. That's what owners do. I can tell you so many other stories. Kelly Bopri, a year ago, came to me and said, "Uh, I have a passion for discipling women, seeing women uh, growing in their faith, uh, especially younger women. And she said, there's this thing called if gathering, And it's basically uh, women coming together and sitting under some great teaching and and doing some things together. She's like, would you guys mind if if we hosted that? And I I kind of led a team to come around and and create that event to happen. We're like, would we mind? No, of course not. We wouldn't mind. But that's an owner mentality, right? And she didn't do it by herself. She had a whole bunch of people that came around and said, hey, we'll volunteer our time, our effort, our energy to come and be a part of this. Allie Glaze knew that we were passionate about prayer, and we needed a prayer team. And Allie said, hey, can I start a prayer team? I'm like, heck yeah, you can start a prayer team. And so they pray after the services for anybody that needs prayer. And they pray during the services that God would continue to work and speak and that we would be open and available to what he wants to say to us. Uh, Bryce Beckett built the stage made sure that this thing got finished. And all the stuff that you see back here with our set decorations helped do that and invested time and energy and money into what we have for equipment. Uh, Zach also did the same thing, making sure that we had the equipment we needed, even giving some of his own equipment. Owner mentality. I could go on and on and on about different people. Brianne, who started helping us plan events for TLC before TLC was even a thing. 
She showed up to meetings that Jordan and I were doing just to help us and give us a perspective of somebody who was a little bit, uh, you know, hipper and cooler, and that we were very grateful for that reality. We needed it. So many people. That's an owner mentality. Ah, oh, I had like, I got like seven more names. I can't even talk about all of them. Colin and Emily, Joel Kempelman. This was awesome. All right, I got to say this one. Sorry, Joel, if you're here. Uh, Joel, when we talked about wanting to be a church that actually takes care of the creation that God has entrusted us with, but I said that we don't have any way to uh, actually recycle anything, he came up and said, uh, all the boxes that we broke down that I know we're going to throw away, he's like, I have recycling at home. Could I take all of them home? <laughs> I'm like, yes. Yes, Joel, you can take our old boxes and recycle them. Like, that's an owner mentality, and I love that. Friends, we want to be owners, not renters. Renters wait for someone else to fix things. Renters wait for someone else to clean things up. Owners don't wait, they do it themselves. Renters feel little to no long-term connection. Owners are always thinking about the future. Renters are interested in what they get. Owners are interested in what they can invest. Owners, not renters. Friends, it's a mentality. It's a mentality because the truth is you don't own the church, right? I don't own the church. I don't own any of the things that I actually talk about as being mine, all right? I don't own my house. I don't own my car. I don't own the things that are inside of my house. I don't own my bank account. I don't even own my time. Those are all things that God says he owns, that he has entrusted to me, given to me, to steward them on his behalf. I don't own this church. You don't own this church. But because we were created in the image of God, remember we talked about this in our last series, being created in the image of God means that we are supposed to represent God to one another and the rest of creation to act how he would act. God owns it. God owns this church. And therefore, as his representatives, we want to be a people who actually then act the way that God acts that take the responsibility that God would have. If God would pick up trash at his church, then you know what? I'm going to pick up trash at this church. If God would serve other people, care for the people, take care of the children, invest in the mission and ministry of the church, then I, as God's representative, desire to do the same thing, want to do the same thing, need to do the same thing. It's an ownership mentality. And so what I would like to challenge us with today, because this is probably the most, like I said, we, two of our values were like some of the most aspirational of our values. The value, would she weep? That's aspirational. Different is beautiful. We continue to grow in our diversity, but I, I think we've got a long way to go still. That's an aspirational value. Uh, I said uh, we create the future. Probably sounds like our most arrogant value <laughs> until you understand where it comes from. Directly out of God's command to us to be people who fill and subdue the earth, right? This one, though, probably requires the most commitment of any of them. Owners, not renters. If God would use his time, talent, and treasure to see the kingdom move forward, then we need to as well. So here's what I'd like to do this morning. I want to look at three scriptures. Uh, I want to spend some time talking about those, and then I want to give a very specific application. Uh, now, if you're new with us today, Okay, and by new, um, maybe it's your first time, maybe you've been coming for two months or less, because if you've been coming for more than two months, you're not new anymore, we're so new of a church that you're like an old timer at this point, so, but if you're new, uh, I want to say hang with me, all right, what I'm going to 
share this morning, you might be like, whoa, bro, like I'm like, I'm new to this joint. Like, I don't know that I'm ready to jump into like that. Uh, cool. I get it. I, I, I simply want to say to you, first of all, we're glad that you're here. We expect that we've got folks that are coming in and checking out this Jesus thing, even seeing if this is the kind of church that they, that they want to uh, link arms with and, and, and be on the adventure that God's called us to be on together. Uh, but I want to spend a little bit of time addressing uh, those of you that maybe are, are guests with us today a, a little bit later. Uh, for those of you that call TLC home, though, this whole idea of owners, not renters, you might be a little skeptical. Like, um, can you please show me in the Bible where it says that we're supposed to be owners, not renters? Because I ain't never read that verse. And I would say to you, you're exactly right. There's no verse in the Bible that says, be an owner, not a renter. And yet I think all throughout Scripture, it says, be an owner, not a renter. So grab your Bibles and open up to 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2, if you need a Bible, we've got some folks that will be coming down the aisles. Just raise your hand. They will make sure to hand you one, and you can follow along. We're going to look at three scriptures today, and I'm going to have to move through them a little quicker than I did in the first service. So hang with me. We're going to be doing some laps this morning, all right? 1 Peter chapter 2, starting in verse 1. Peter says this, Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. Like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation, now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in scripture it says, see I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, speaking of Jesus, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Verse 7. Now to you who believe, this stone is precious, but to those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone and a stone that causes people to stumble, a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they were destined for. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Mm. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. There's so much goodness in that passage of Scripture that I don't have time to talk about. But I do want to point out a couple of verses. So jump back with me to verse 2. It says, like newborn babies, crave spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. Uh, tasted that the Lord is good is actually a quote from Psalm 34, 8, where the psalmist said, taste and see that the Lord is good. If you're new to church or maybe you've been away from God for a while and, and, and a friend invited you and you showed up today, uh, welcome. And this is for you. Look, I, I, I can tell you all day long how good Jesus is. And, and I could, actually, because I know how good he is, because I've experienced his goodness. I know what it's like to, to say, Jesus, I'm going to place you uh, above everything. Not perfectly, because I'm far from perfect. But I know what it's like to say, I choose to try to follow you to the best of my ability with all my mistakes, is all the ways that I fail, but Jesus, I want you. And I've seen, I've tasted, I know that doing that has a transforming effect 
on your life, on your relationships, on your future, on your contentment, your joy, your peace, every, like everything. Like it's the greatest thing that could ever happen to you. I prom- promise you. But I can sit up here and talk about it all day long. It doesn't matter. It's only when you're willing to taste and see for yourself. And so maybe you've been thinking about it for a while. Maybe you've been like, man, I've been coming or I've been thinking about this, this Jesus thing. Like, I've known about him for a long time, but I don't know if I've ever really said, I want you, Jesus. Like, I want all of you. I want to know you. I want it to see if it's actually real. Today, maybe this is the day you just say, hey, I want to, like, Jesus, I want you. Right? Because I can talk about how delicious chocolate is, right? Especially Swiss chocolate. So milky, creamy, delicious. Whoa! Like, melts in your mouth, just coats like, mm. But big whoop, if I'm talking about it, right, you want to taste it yourself. Well, the same thing is true of Jesus. He's delicious, I promise. <laughs> like newborn babies, crave spiritual, a pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. My whole point in all that is simply to say we're supposed to grow up in our maturation. All right? Maturation, maturing is expected and necessary. Jump down with me to verse 9. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. God's done all those things so that we can declare to others what he's done. I want to talk about two words in there, royal priesthood. We don't get this. I'll admit it, even myself. Just because I'm American. Like, we don't have royalty in America. Okay? Okay? Like, there's no king or queen, no princesses, and no, no duchess of, you know, Akron. All right, we don't have, so that doesn't make as much sense. Of, not only that, but same thing with uh, um, a priesthood. You see, but for, uh, for a Jewish person reading this in first century Israel, that would have blown their mind. I mean, it would have been shocking. It have, that was crazy talk. Because royalty and the priesthood were families you had to be born into. You had to be a part of the tribe of Levi to become a priest. And even then, only men could do it. And, and, and if you wanted to be royalty, you had to be born into the line of David. And unless you were actually born into it, like, you had no hope. And you got to remember, they didn't have much of a middle class back then. So you were probably poor reading this. And the thought of being in the royal line would have been like, what? Like, that would have been, like, crazy cool. It reminds me of... Like, you, there's Christmas classics, right? Like, A Miracle on 54th Street, right? Christmas Vacation, Elf, and, of course, Netflix's A Christmas Prince. Am I right? Yes, A Christmas Prince. All right, so, and A Christmas Prince, Amber, who's raised by a single dad who has a little restaurant in Brooklyn, New York, goes off to do a journalistic expose on Prince Richard, the supposed playboy, and heir to the throne of Aldovia, only to find out that he's actually a great guy, and they fall in love, and he proposes to her, and now Amber, who used to just be a journalist from New York City, is now all of a sudden going to become the queen of Aldovia. Like, this is, like, shockingly awesome if you're Amber, right? She didn't have any, like, there was no hope of her having all that, but now she can have it. And in case you're wondering, two days ago, A Christmas Prince, The Royal Wedding, the sequel just came out. Yes, my friends, you're welcome, you're welcome. And Jesus says, because of me, you are now royalty, adopted into the line. Like, we don't get it, but we need to get it. And the second thing he says is that uh, we're not just royal, but we're a royal priesthood. And, and Peter's not just talking to men here. You know what the priests got to do? 
the priests were able to go and mediate between mankind and God. In fact, the high priest was actually able to enter into, only once a year, but enter into the Holy of Holies where God's presence sat. We just sang a song that said, you tore the veil. There was a veil that separated the Holy of Holies. The veil's gone. Friends, you and I, we get to go into the throne of grace. That's what Hebrew says. Come boldly into the throne room of grace. That's the Holy of Holies, and we all get it now. Like, I understand, like, this to us when we read it, royal priesthood, like, it doesn't, it doesn't connect in the way that it probably ought to, but let me just, hopefully you get a little bit of a taste of what that means. There are unbelievable, beautiful rewards, privileges that come with being in the royal line, the priestly line, and we are. With that, though, also comes massive responsibility. You see, priests didn't do what they did for themselves. They did it on behalf of the people. Kings and queens are not supposed to rule for themselves. They do it on behalf of the people, right? You and I are kings and queens, priests, priestesses, right? And we now mediate relationship with God, helping others to find him. We rule, use what we've been given to help the lives of others find and follow Jesus, to know him. Like there's massive responsibility that comes with that ownership my friends flip over to hebrews chapter 5 while you're flipping to hebrews chapter 5 the picture that i had uh that i was reminded of when i was thinking of the fact that we get to go into the throne room of god uh, is this picture jfk sitting at his desk the most powerful man arguably in all of the world at that time working on incredibly important things, and his little boy just would walk into the Oval Office whenever he wanted, played around his dad's desk. He had that kind of access to that because of who his father was. Friends, we have that kind of access. He never worried. He was never afraid. He was excited to go see his dad. Friends, that's us. Hebrews chapter 5. Hebrews chapter 5. Uh, start with me in verse 12. In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness, but solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. Therefore, let us move beyond the elementary teachings about Christ and be taken forward to maturity. Look, the church is intended to help you grow in your faith. But you can't expect the church to do all the work for you. The goal is to move from milk to meat, all right? Or if you're vegan, from tea to tofu, okay? <laughs> you thank you. That did not work that well in the first service, but I thought it was hilarious. <sighs> the goal is for us to grow up, right? And that requires work. Now, look, the church ought to be helping, Okay? We have a role and a responsibility, but the church can't give you everything that you need. If this is the only meal you get throughout the week, you're going to starve to death. That's just reality. You would never think of feeding a child one meal a week. You wouldn't think of feeding a, a, a middle schooler one meal a week. You wouldn't think of feeding an adult one meal a week. Like, you're going to die if you just get one meal a week. So I'm so, honestly, like, 
no joke, I feel so privileged to be able to prepare a meal for you every week. I really do. But I, I, I don't want you coming thinking that this is the meal that you're going to get for the week. I want you coming thinking like this is one of the meals you're going to receive. And quite honestly, I hope that you have some way better meals just with you and God. When you open up the word and you recognize, that's why we talked about last week, healthy things grow, right? I said, hey, this week, let's read John 14 and 15 together. Let's read, reflect, and respond. We're interacting with God in his word. I want you to feast on the word. And the goal is to move from milk to meat, right? We all need that. And I I want that for you. So ownership means that you don't simply look what the church can give you, but you say to yourselves, what is it that I need to do? How do I invest in my own spiritual growth and health? It's not just something that the church does. Flip over with me, if you will, to 1 Timothy chapter 4. 1 Timothy chapter 4. I had a great story, too, that I was going to tell you. I don't have time for it, but it was about the very first meal I made for my wife. It included ramen noodles, cream of mushroom soup, French cut green beans, and eggs. A wonderful casserole. I'll tell you about it another time. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 6 through 9. There's a reason that Brenda does most of the cooking in her house. 1 Timothy chapter 4, oh, sorry, let me get there, verses 6 through 9. If you point these things out to the brothers and sisters, you will be a good minister of Christ Jesus. So this is Paul speaking to his protege, Timothy. And he goes on, he says, they'll be nourished on the truths of the faith and of the good teaching that you, uh, that you have followed. He says, have nothing to do with godless myths and old wives' tales. Rather, train yourself to be godly. For physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. This is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. That is why we labor and strive, because we have put our hope in the living God, who is the Savior of all people, and especially of those who believe. For physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things. Look, some of you guys are into, like, working out, and that's great, okay? Some of you are, like, runners, all right? You, you, you do stupid things like marathons and half marathons, and literally stupid things, okay? <laughs> you should know this. God created running only for when something's chasing you, okay? It's never, and, all right, some of you guys like to work out, pump some iron, all right? Some of you do yoga and bend your body in also ways that the body was never intended to bend, Okay? <laughs> All right, we all have that CrossFit friend, okay? Like, we get, like, we get it. You like CrossFit, okay? <laughs> Working out's good. It matters. We need to take care of our bodies because God gave us our bodies. Uh, Brenda, uh, she works out a lot more than I do, and she's always trying to get me to do something. So last week, she's like, come on, work out with me. I'm like, all right, fine, we'll work out. She's like, I'll do something easy. So uh, um, she pulled out my favorite workout video, uh, which is uh, Bob's Boot Camp. All right, with the uh, biggest loser cast. And uh, I realized that not only was every single person uh, on that video in way better shape than me, much to my chagrin, but I, I couldn't even go at 50%. Like, that's literally what I said. Torn, only go, because I have a tendency, it's the first time you worked out a long time, you're like, you just go all out, and then you're just like destroyed for like a week. And I'm like, go 50%, T, and you'll be good. You'll be able to walk the next day. Even at 50%, I couldn't finish it. I couldn't finish the stupid video, and I had to have my wife tie my shoes for the next three days. It's terrible, okay? Like, I need to, working out, taking care of our bodies matters. But 
Paul says to Timothy, hey, you know what? Take care of your body, but more than that, take care of your spiritual body. Like that, that has value not just now, but in, in, in the future. It matters now because when, when we work at godliness, when we train ourselves in godliness, that actually creates joy and peace and contentment and it allows us to be kind to folks. It, it, it makes a difference, a transforming difference in our lives and in the people around us, like amazingly so. It has physical, spiritual, emotional benefits. And not just in this life, but in the life to come. God promises that what we do now gets rewarded in heaven. Like a lot of times we like, oh, don't talk about rewards and doing stuff for rewards. I, I get it. I understand why that seems kind of weird, but Jesus talked about it. What we do now with our godliness and training in godliness matters here and there. And so we want to be about it. That, friends, is actually an ownership issue. When we own the fact that it's going to take some work, it means that there's some stuff that we've got to grow into. Godliness has blessing. It matters. And we want to be a church that owns it. You see, I said that, you know, owners, not renters. There's no verse in the Bible that says owners, not, but it's all throughout Scripture. And so here is our application today. First and foremost, the application, uh, there's an individual application, right? All of us need to own our own health, own our spiritual growth, all right? And so I want every single person in this church to know how to feast on God's word. That, that to me is a huge passion because I know if you can learn how to feed yourself, like all kinds of things start to fall into place. But uh, the first century readers would not have necessarily thought about the individual benefits. They would have thought about the collective, the community. And so today, uh, in fact, if we've got our ushers, they're going to start passing you down what we're calling an owner's agreement. We want to invite you in, those of you that call TLC home, an opportunity to say, hey, we are in for what God is doing at TLC. If you believe that Jesus Christ cares about his church, the kingdom, right, that's capital C church, the universal church. If you think that Jesus cares about seeing his church grow and flourish and thrive and move on in its mission for the world, the only way that you can experience the universal church and all that it has is by participating in a local church. You can't experience the benefits of being a part of engaging in the mission of the universal church without being intimately connected to a local church. And so I said to you, if you're a guest, if you're visiting with us today, look, I'm not telling you that TLC needs to be your church. You need to ask God if TLC is supposed to be your church, okay? And maybe you're just visiting and you've got another church that you're already engaging. Great. My issue is that simply you can't keep going to a church and not become an owner of it. That's not helpful for you. So I don't care if it's TLC or if it's another church. At the end of the day, what I care about is your ongoing growth in Christ. I want that more than anything. I want to help you fall in love with Jesus. That's our mission. We want to be a multiplying church, helping the next generation fall in love with Jesus to create better futures. I'm all about seeing people fall in love with Jesus. If you simply come to church and consume and leave, that's not helping you. It's not helping you and it's not helping the church. And the truth is, is you need the church and the church needs you. God has given you gifts and abilities and things that you need to add into the church. And the church has stuff that it needs to give to you. But if you're not going to own it, if you're not going to jump in and say, hey, I'm in, then neither can help each other. So you're like, whoa, this is getting real. Yes, it's getting real. 
for your benefit, for my benefit, for our benefit. And so what you have before you is basically like diet membership. <laughs> I don't know, it's not real membership because we don't have that right now. But this is basically saying, this is saying, hey, I am in. I'm in. TLC is my place. I, I want to be all about what TLC, what God's calling TLC to do. I want to play my role in it. And, and I want you to know something. What we're about to read together, it's a high bar. But that high bar sits in an ocean of grace. There are things in here that you are not yet probably doing. I need you to know what the bar is, what we're going to call each other to, what we're going to hold each other accountable to, what we're going to encourage each other to, how we're going to cheer each other on. But I want you to know that it sits in an ocean of grace because you're going to jump and sometimes you're not going to make it. But you're not falling down to a hard, scornful, shameful, wagging our fingers in your face. You're falling into an ocean of grace. That's how we want you to read this. So, with that in mind, the owner's agreement. They're all connected to our values that we've been walking through for the last seven weeks. The first one is awe and wonder. This is we expect to experience the power and presence of Christ when we gather. That's our value, okay? Therefore, I will come to the gathering expecting to meet with God and being open to what he wants to say to me. I will participate in the worship service as much as possible knowing that this discipline is good for my spiritual health and the spiritual growth of the community. I need the gifts of the church, and the church needs my gifts as well. Uh, I want to say something with this, okay? Uh, we initially had said uh, weekly, but we recognize that everybody can make every single week, okay? But when you sign this particular one, you're saying that, hey, I, I, just because I'm a little tired, okay, I maybe I stayed up a little too late, or uh, it's snowing, and I just don't really feel like getting out of bed. Like, no, no, no. Owners... Still come. Now, we get it. Some weeks you're going to be sick. Some weeks you're going to be out of town. You, you miss a week. It's, it's not the end of the world. Like I said, it's an ocean of grace. But know what the bar is. Okay? It, it, it is a helpful discipline for us every week to say, I'm going to come and participate in the body of Christ. Experience what that means. So, number two. Owners, not renters. What I just talked about. We are not a place for spiritual spectators. We collectively own our health, growth, and mission and invest what we have to see it take shape. Therefore, I will strive to be actively engaged using my time, treasure, and talents to see the people of the church flourish. I will own my spiritual health and ask God to continually grow our community into greater Christ-likeness. Recognizing that giving is an act of worship, I will work towards tithing 10% and more of my income to support the work God wants to do at TLC and around the world. You're like, whoa, that just got real. We got pretty specific on that one, didn't we? Yes, we did. And I'm not embarrassed to talk about giving. You want to know why? Because you can't outgive God. <laughs> Again, taste and see. Trust me, we taught on this maybe a year ago. Remember when we did the 90-day tithe challenge? And we said, you know what? If you're not tithing 10%, do it for three months and see what God does. See what God does. So, uh, again, this is the bar. Okay? My guess is some of you are there, some of you are over it. Many of you probably are not. What are you falling into? Hmm? An ocean of grace. But we want you to know where the bar is. Now, I keep saying that the bar is ridiculously high. Can I just be real for a minute? The bar's not actually ridiculously high. 
The bar is actually just what disciples of Jesus are supposed to do. I keep saying it's ridiculously high, basically because in America, we assume that what Jesus asks us to do is ridiculously high. <laughs> it kind of is, I guess, all right? It does require everything, but uh, this is just like what normal disciples generally have done for the last 2,000 years. Woo! Mm-hmm. It's all right. It gets us all. Healthy things grow. Um, and I kind of hung up right there, and that was on giving. I wasn't just talking about giving there. I'm talking about all the things that go along with this. All right. Healthy things grow. We believe spiritual formation creates health. Health leads to growth, and we cannot accomplish our mission without both. Therefore, I will grow in my relationship with God by interacting with him through prayer, reflection, and obedience to his word. I believe that spiritual growth leads to change, and I give God permission to change my heart and mind to reflect his. Just as growth leads to change in my personal life, it may do so in our church as well. I will strive to stay positive in the midst of change and do my part to ensure that TLC is healthy and strong. We believe that healthy things grow. The focus, though, remember, is on health, not growth. If we continue to focus on staying connected to the vine of Jesus... Jesus is the one that produces the fruit, not us. In the midst of that, though, Jesus often prunes, right? Not always fun, but it's so necessary. Lone wolves die. We're designed to do life in authentic community where we are truly known and loved. Therefore, I will strive to establish life-giving relationships with believers in and out of TLC where care, challenge, and celebration occur. I will seek to engage in opportunities to do life together with fellow believers in a small group and other in-community pathways. Recognizing that community begins when a person enters our building, I will commit to help build a culture of radical hospitality at TLC. There are so many people here that already do this. They're like, hey, I might not be on the hospitality team, but I'm one of the key members of the hospitality team. <laughs> and I love that, right? We want all of us to kind of own that reality that we have to care about building community, making this a safe place, a place that people feel genuinely welcomed to be whoever they are, from wherever they come from, with whatever baggage that they carry, because you and I both know we brought a bunch of it in too. And so we have radical hospitality to welcome. Uh, different is beautiful. We are stronger, better, and more beautiful because of our diversity. Therefore, I will ask God to instill a love for and dedication to everyone that God brings into TLC. I will seek to know and learn from people who are different from me, celebrating the diversity that God has created. I recognize that we are all image bearers created with inherent worth, and I will cultivate empathy and inclusion that reflects the kingdom of heaven. I will put Jesus and his kingdom above my patriotism, nationalism, tribalism, political and personal preferences, that God's word may be obeyed and he alone glorified. I will even love an Ohio State fan. <laughs> Would she weep? We want to love and serve our city so well that she would mourn if we were gone. Therefore, I will ask God to help me know and live out the mission he has given me. I will support the ways our church is loving our city. I recognize that where I live and work is not an accident, and God wants me to use those spheres of influence to share God's love and invite people into our community. Would she weep? We create the future. We develop culture-creating leaders to send to culture-creating cities to create better futures. This is about the passion that we believe God has given TLC to plant churches, disciple-making churches. Therefore, I commit to partner with TLC to create better futures by praying for our leaders, supporting young leaders, and working to lead by example at whatever vocation God has called me to. I will make myself available to God if he wishes to call me to help plant or support a new church in the future. 
And then you'll see the final paragraph that really is intended to put all of this into context. With, that, uh, with the above in mind, let us acknowledge that God's kingdom is bigger than TLC and that we will not allow TLC to operate in a way that overshadows this greater mission. In other words, we all play a role and a responsibility in making sure and holding this church accountable to never think that it's bigger, better, or more important than any other church, to ever think that what happens here is actually the epicenter of God's kingdom, but rather to recognize that there's a number of fantastic churches that we are in partnership with, that are a part of, we are a part of the bride, and therefore will never allow TLC to simply think that it is somehow better in any way. Does that make sense? The goal of the owner's agreement is not to become a law that none of us can live up to. Rather, like Jesus called to love God and love neighbor up the bar for us all, we want to call one another to pursuing God's best as we form Christ's church in this place. We will pursue these statements primarily out of love for God and secondly out of love for one another. We agree together to pursue these ideals knowing that at times we will fall short and that there are statements we agree to that we may not yet be fully living. We will offer grace to one another when we fall short and will encourage one another towards these lofty goals, believing not only that we can live these out, but that we will be better for doing so. With this spirit in mind, I agree to becoming an owner of the mission that God has called TLC towards and will do my part to help it come to fruition as God leads. So this is what I'm giving all of you an opportunity to do this morning. Uh, on your chair, you probably saw there's a little slip of paper. Um, if you've been coming to TLC for a while now and you're like, bro, I'm so in, like I've been in from day one. Uh, I might not be doing all these things perfectly yet, but I get it. That's the bar. I want to shoot for that. Uh, uh, you're welcome to, to challenge me, hold me accountable. We're going to do this together. We are in it for the adventure, right? Like we are in it to see what God, you can sign up today. Okay. Uh, signing up doesn't, you don't get better coffee or <laughs> anything like, okay. Like, like, you know, you no special seating or anything like that, but uh, really what you get is more responsibility. <laughs> All right, congratulations. Um, but it's saying, hey, we're in. We're going for this. Uh, maybe you've only been with us a few months and you're like, ooh, this is, this is this a lot. Take some time, process, pray about it. Uh, take this home, take the week, okay? If you're not ready to sign today, that's cool. But process it. And here's the thing, like, um, if you were hurt at a church or maybe you had like a difficult time or you're new to, to, to Christianity, the faith, and you may be saying, man, this feels like a lot, you are welcome to be here. We want you to be here. What I, what I can't allow is that you simply stay in that place forever. Okay? The longer you stay in that place, the less likely it is that you're ever going to move. And one of the roles that we play as a church is saying we have to care about one another's spiritual growth. We actually believe life is better when we're growing in our understanding and love and obedience to Jesus. And so we're going to call each other towards that, all right? That's why we say we're not a place for spiritual spectators. If you need a place for a little while, cool, man. We are happy to have you. We want to have you. We expect that we have folks that are coming in and checking things out for a little while. We just don't want you to stay there because we actually believe that it's better for you, for us, for all of us, for the kingdom, when we say we are in. So if you need some time, great. If you're ready to sign, great. If you're like, you guys are weird, I'm out of here, awesome. That's cool too, like I mean that. You're like, what pastor? Like, not in a bad way, like not because I don't like you, okay? That just means God's called you to another church. But here's the deal. You need to own 
be an owner at that church. So if God's calling you to another church, cool, go be a part of that church, but don't just consume and then walk out. Go and be an owner. You will experience the immense, unbelievable privileges, responsibilities, benefits that come with being an owner in God's kingdom. And the only way you can be an owner in God's kingdom is to be an owner in a local expression of his kingdom. I want that for you. I want that for us. Because quite honestly, guys, I can't wait for our 10-year celebration. Can you imagine? Can you imagine for those of us that have said, yes, I'm in. I'm giving myself to this. Remember the party we had at year one? It was weird, but it was awesome, right? Imagine that year 10, when we've seen God do unbelievable things, transforming people's lives and people talking about how Jesus radically transformed who they were and has rebuilt and, and renewed things that had been long dead that they thought could never come back again. And folks that have been baptized and we're sharing stories and we've already sent out a few different people, hundreds of people actually, that have planted other churches and life transformation that's taking place. Like, this is going to be a celebration. Don't miss out. Let's pray. God, thank you for your love for us and thank you that you call us into a real genuine relationship but you also say it's going to cost something you tell us we got to take up our cross and follow you we got to lay down our lives and follow you we got to love you above all else heavy stuff jesus but i know how amazing it is when i'm doing that and i want that for our church god you've called tlc to do some specific things God, there are some phenomenal churches around us. I pray for the people of Ada and Calvary and Keystone and Cascade Fellowship and uh, Thorn Apple Covenant, God, and so many other churches in, in our area for Crossroads. Jesus, my prayer is that the people of those churches, those local expressions, would own what you have called those churches to do, would celebrate it, run hard after it, and Jesus, we would as well. God, not for our glory, not for TLC's sake, but for your glory, for your kingdom, that more and more people might know what it means to have a relationship with you. Thank you, Jesus, for what you've done for us. God, we own what you've called us to. First and foremost, out of love for you, and secondly, out of love for others. We love you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray, amen. Guys, there are some white buckets in the back. If uh, you are signing uh, up to be an owner today, you can drop your little slip off there. If you need some more time, take it home with you. Everybody can take this back with you. Uh, this is yours. So thank you. Love you. Can't wait for next week. Oh, also, don't forget to grab an Advent booklet, devotional booklet, okay? So we can celebrate that together over the rest of this month. See you next week.